Welcome to the Center Point Pentecostal Church Podcast. We hope that this podcast finds you well and that you are ready for a life-changing message from one of our outstanding and anointed ministers. If you like this podcast, please be sure to give us a follow and a five-star review on your favorite podcasting app. Now let's get to today's message. So I'm not going to make y'all stand. I will tell y'all my first scripture, and when I get to it, is Hebrew 11 and 1. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Which, in other words, is saying we're putting total confidence in God, right? Okay, so y'all can be seated. Y'all just... Let's just be comfortable and be have a family conversation tonight. I just want everybody to be at ease. So to start off with, Pastor Beard came to me several weeks ago and asked me would I be able to speak. And of course, I'm beyond humble, as I said before. So, but let me tell you what. The devil fights. He fights foolishly. So in the past several days, I faced some personal battles that were a bit overwhelming. And y'all know we see people smiling, going about their daily business. But we all have those backstories, right, that we take with us every day. You know, Brother Keith goes to work every day, and we go to the, I go to the nursing home, and we're smiling and taking care of people. But the problems are, we put them back here somewhere. But they still hurt. And they're still there. So I was dealing with a rough one. My husband will attest to that. And I seriously considered calling my pastor and telling him, Brother Beard, I'm sorry. I can't do this. I can't bring a proper message to the church. And I shared my feelings with a friend. A friendster. That's a friend who's a sister, if y'all don't know that terminology. I shared it with a friend. And she saved me. She really did. She doesn't know it. She's sitting in here tonight. I just looked at her. She knows who she is. She pulled me out and shook me back to reality and said, The devil is mad. You're under attack. And I said, Wow. I never even thought about that. You're right. I mean, I was so overwhelmed and so hurt with what I was going through that I didn't even realize. I was stricken. I was numb and beside myself and blindsided, totally blindsided, blinded. And she was right. And without her, I would have never seen it. Or if I would have, I would have seen it too late. So when I was blinded, My sister became my sight. I needed her, and Jesus knew I needed her. My weakened spirit needed her faith. And she lent that to me that day. And I'm so thankful. Thankful for my sisters. We are are blessed to have each other as brothers and sisters in this church. So with that being said, I hope to shed some light tonight on faith for you and for me. So as I said, our scripture, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen, which in other words, we're expressing that we have total confidence in God that he will provide before our eyes have seen any proof of it. 
right? There's nothing. There's nothing there to show us. It's going to happen. But that's faith. But how often do we believe? Believing in the unbelievable makes the impossible possible. I know. I like that too. But how often do we hear people, I'm guilty, we all are. I believe in God. I have faith. Is that enough? Is it enough to say we have faith? What makes us faithful or affects our faith? What makes it strong? What makes it weak? I believe faith requires more of us than just saying, I go to church, I have faith. So let's talk about some things that affect our faith tonight. Just doing a little Bible study here tonight. Is that okay? That's okay? One thing that will affect our faith is self-sufficiency. John 15 and 5 says, apart from me, you can do nothing. We don't even open our eyes in the morning by ourselves. Y'all know that? Without God, without him allowing us to open our eyes, it wouldn't happen. But how often do we trust our own human abilities to accomplish something when it's all in him in the first place? And if we constantly increase, we're making him constantly decrease. And that's happens daily. No matter how much we try to make our way around it, this does not work in our lives, y'all. It doesn't work. We get caught up doing what we do. And as I did with my situation, get so easily blindsided, forgetting that none of it is in our hands. We get the, I'm in control. I got this mentality. Well, we have plan A, plan B, and when those don't work, we go to plan C, Right? We're going to make it work. We're going to make it happen. Maybe God, that's not God's plan. He's got something else. And Jesus is at every turn saying, what do you think you're doing? I thought you trusted me. While we're saying, well, this has to happen now, God. I don't have time to wait. I, I have a better way. I trust you, Lord, but how often do we say that? But that one but tells God that we are trying to be bigger than he is. And we're totally self-sufficient. I got it. I believe in you. I go to church, but I got this. I can handle these things by myself, Lord. But after Jesus wakes us up every day, we also have to remember that he is in control of the remainder of the day just as much as he was when he opened our eyes in the morning. Number two that hinders our faith doubt. Anybody doubt anything? How many times we whisper a half-hearted prayer? I'm guilty. How many times does God answer a half-hearted prayer? Many times he does. James 1 and 6 says that one who doubts is like a wave in the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Chaos, turmoil, out of order. Nothing's working right. So in our conversations, like I said just a few minutes ago, Jesus, I trust you, but there's that word. We introduce doubt. We already use it in telling him, I'm good, Lord. I love you, but I got this. Doubt and faith cannot exist in the same house. It cannot happen. When doubt enters, faith lessens. And then as Sister Gail says, it finally leaves. Once again, Jesus is decreasing in our lives, and other things are increasing. 
There's so many distractions that cause us to doubt every day, and we allow it. We hate to wait. We have to have our hands on everything. The last time I trusted and tried to wait on Jesus, it just didn't turn out like I wanted it to. So to defeat doubt and overcome the feelings that we have to be in control, we have to realize that God has done things for us in the past. And they worked out. We're still here. Right? He's never failed. He's faithful. He always comes through. We've made it through rough times, and it's because of him, in spite of our constant interference and in trying to fix stuff. He's always faithful. We must trust him. Speaking positivity into our lives scares doubt to death. We need to speak positivity over ourselves and over our families every day. So much negative comes at us every day, every day, and we just try to absorb it. Well, we need to put the block up with positivity every day. So we need to speak things, as Romans 4 and 17 says, speak those things that are not as though they were. And doubt's going to run. Like I said, it's going to scare doubt to death. Can't, can't stay. Another thing that alters our faith is fear. Mark 4 and 40. Why are you afraid? Have you still no faith? This is Jesus talking. This is a tough one. And even for Jesus. We're talking about Jesus who was the God-man, right? So in the flesh, he couldn't understand. He'd been with these guys and... He showed them all these things, and they saw the goodness of them, and they were his best friends, and they followed him and trusted in him. But here they are on a stormy boat ride, and they're scared to death. Okay? His faithful few were still afraid. So I'm just as guilty of saying, this is me. I'm, this, is, this is Nita 101. This is me. I'm guilty. The Lord has made me, and he gets me. My husband has heard me say this before. And he gets my being scared, so he forgives my fear. Boy, that's some rationalizing going on, huh? But in all honesty, if I'm fearing, then I'm believing that there's something in my life that's bigger than God. The devil loves invoking fear upon us. He loves to scare you. All of you. Everybody. You know, he's going to whisper. He's going to whisper all kind of things to us. He's going to tell us all kind of lies. You're sick. You're not going to make it. You're a failure. Those people don't care about you. You're not a good mother. You're not a good father. He tells you all these lies. Oh, you go to that church. The Holy Ghost isn't real. Mm-hmm. It's the truth. And he says you're only making a fool of yourself. And for years, let me tell you all something I learned. Another lie from Satan. When you have kids that go to school, you talk and you learn stuff. So when they get older and they go to school, you still learn stuff. So I have to, oh, and I have to tell y'all too this. When I'm talking about Satan in here, I never give him a capital S. Do y'all give him a capital S? I don't. Nope. He gets a low, low, lowercase s. Mm-mm. That joker does not get the, the, the key on my computer to capitalize his name. So, mm-mm. He's a little s. <laughs> he's not worthy of the shift key on my, on my keyboard. But there's a mind-crippling psychological ailment called, some of you may nod your head if you've heard of it before, imposter syndrome. I had never heard of it. I didn't know there was such a thing. It's where you're fully capable, trained, and able to do a job, skill, or a task, 
but you fear that you're truly not equipped, and sooner or later, somebody's going to find out you're not able, that you're just an imposter. To think that we are incapable in all walks of life, he wants us to think we're not effective. He wants to trip us up. He wants us to be disqualified. Fear is of Satan, and he's the only one who got disqualified. Not you, not me. He got disqualified. Take that, devil. Another thing affecting our faith is trusting the physical. In 2 Corinthians, we walk by faith, not by sight. That's Corinthians 5, 2 Corinthians 5 and 7. Being able to physically see does not hinder our faith. It's when we start trusting in only what we see that our problems occur. When we remind ourselves that we live for a God who has never failed us, and He is the supernatural behind the scenes, on the scene Savior, we learn to walk by faith. So Lord, help us to trust the unseen. In action... Lack of action helps fade our faith. James 2.26 says, Faith apart from works is what? Dead. True faith encourages us to work. If we do not put legs and feet on our faith, our faith is weakened. We can't sit idly down and wait for God to deliver or do what we've asked Him to do or bring us what we need. Even the blind man... Who's Jesus, who Jesus covered his eyes with clay, was told to go and wash his eyes. He had to do something, right? God healed him, but he said, go, wash your eyes. Because of his action of obedience, this man took part in his own miracle. Y'all believe that? So while we're waiting on God, we got to stay busy. That's the only thing that's going to keep us going. And then there are works. We have to be careful with works. Works alone won't get us anywhere. It doesn't help our faith if we think that works alone will get us anywhere. We do not do works for salvation wage. The Lord has given us salvation freely. Works. Upon researching the word works, it simply states good things that we do to help people in need. Faith without works is as useless and ineffective as a car with no gas. It's dead. God's works are the fuel that makes, make our lives profitable to the lives of others around us. We're here for others, y'all. We have to come outside of this. We're here for others. This isn't about us. It isn't about me. This isn't about myself. It's what I can do for somebody else. Jesus showed the ultimate example of works, and he led by example and taught us that we can do greater things on earth than even he was able to do. He said it. He said, greater works shall you do than me. And he taught us how to serve others. He himself is the reason that we know faith is alive. And then the last thing I want to talk about that alters our faith, and we're all guilty, and for reasons that were out of our control, we all had to deal with this one for the last couple of years, and that's isolation. We're social, relational, interactive beings and like I said the last couple of years gave many of us a taste of isolation God warns us against isolating ourselves look how many miracles that Jesus did that involved the lonely the isolated the desperate people 
Adam didn't have anyone like himself to talk to, so God gave him a companion so he wouldn't be alone. The lepers. What about the lepers? Unclean. They were isolated away from the whole community and shunned. God healed them so they could join in. The woman with the issue of blood was considered, again, unclean and therefore alone. He healed her too. The blind man who sat at the gate hardly ever got noticed. I'm sure he was lonely. He didn't fit in. He couldn't see. So once again, Jesus healed a lonely, destitute man. Jesus hates loneliness. He knows we need one another to survive. He knows that loneliness will affect our faith. The one who made the world and made us all knew more isolation than any one of us have ever felt as the human part of Jesus. He felt wholly forsaken by a world that he was dying on a cross for. The world tries to isolate us, steal our faith out of us so that we can just have a human body that feels forsaken and forgotten. Alone, we can have faith, and we definitely must have it. We all need our walk with God, right? We all need to develop our own sense of faith and our relationship with Jesus. But I do believe that Jesus says there's a more than state of faith. More than a state of faith that we need to exist. Many nowadays, and y'all hear people say it, I hear it at the nursing home, and I know I'm not talking about the folks who are shut in and can't get out and they don't have a way to go anywhere, but there are people that are totally happy staying at home and watching church on TV, okay? And they could come to church, but they, they're happy with that, their situation. And I'm not saying anything about the folks who can't do anything other because I have a nursing home that church is on all day on Sunday. That, that's their church. But Matthew 18 and 20 says... The Holy Spirit is present whenever believers gather together. It helps our faith, y'all. It feeds our faith. We've got to have one another. Jesus didn't heal those people because he felt sorry for them. Not at all. He knew they needed more than what they had to survive. They were alone. They needed like-minded people. We hear about mustard seed faith which gives us hope that even when our faith is tiny, it's still very present and powerful. Thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that it changes and impacts your life for days to come. If you would like to connect with us further, give us a like on Facebook at facebook.com slash Centerpoint Pentecostal Church or just search Centerpoint Pentecostal Church on Facebook. If you would like to join one of our services in person, the service times and address are in the podcast description. Thank you and God bless, and we hope to see you on the next episode.